harness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. That's right. You are tuned in to the John Smith Show, and we are fully armed and operational here at the battle station. Hey, listen, if you want to be a caller tonight, feel free to give us a call at 602-475-2000. Oh, and we've got some exciting uh, programming news. We are now syndicated on Good Talk Radio. The John Smith Show is, that is. And uh, we'll be every morning on Good Talk Radio at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. So that's super exciting. So if you miss the show at night and uh, you're not into podcasting or whatever, if you prefer to listen to a radio station, I highly recommend checking us out on Good Talk Radio Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. I want to talk about some of the uh, sponsors of the show, including Good Talk Radio, but we've got David Hardy over at hardyware.com. If you need a t-shirt made or you need a logo designed, uh, it could be for your business, it could be for uh, a church outing, it can be for a family reunion, it doesn't matter. No job is too big or too small for David Hardy over at hardyware.com. Check him out. He's the best in the business. Also, if you live here in Arizona and you're looking to get your CCW permit, I can't recommend Pete enough over at Fast Concepts LLC. Just give him a call. Look him up online. Go to fastconceptsllc.com. You'll get all the information you need, and you can even sign up for classes right there on his webpage. A little bit later, we'll talk about Gray Feather Farm and their awesome line of skin products. But this half hour is actually brought to you by Ranger Rob Poopy Bags. I'm going to let him tell you all about them. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. All right, we're back with the John Smith Show. Uh, I am your host, of course, John Smith. And I hope you guys are having a great Wednesday night. If you're listening on Good Talk Radio, it's Thursday morning. Uh, We got all kinds of news for you tonight. But obviously, uh, I think the big news of the day was this whole Hunter Biden deal, right? I mean, we know that uh, Joe Biden, he's denied all kinds of... uh, Uh, So many times he's denied the fact that he ever met with anybody at the Ukraine as far as his son's business dealings. Well, there's uh, emails out now that seem to disprove that theory. Yeah, so I think uh, Joe is at it again. I think he has 
trouble telling the truth. I think that's kind of a uh, a trait within the Biden family, it seems. Uh, but anyway, so I guess the story behind it is, from what I understand, is that there was uh, up in, I believe it was um, uh, Delaware, there was a computer repair guy. And uh, some guy uh, just showed up at this computer repair guy's shop saying that he needed, and this happened, I guess, back in 2019, saying that he needed his, uh, his MacBook repaired. I guess it had some water damage, uh, or so the story goes. And the guy dropped it off, and he never came back to pick it up. And I guess the number or the, the contact information that he left was, uh, you know, just I guess the people, the, the shop kept trying to call this person but the person never answered, never responded uh, to messages or anything, and just never came back to get pick up the, the laptop. So on the back of the laptop or somewhere on the laptop, there was a sticker from the Bo Biden Foundation. And of course, that's in reference to uh, Biden's kid who died. And not Hunter, of course, but the other one, Bo. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know how or why the, the computer repair guy decided to, to get into it. Uh, he was told that the, the laptop was damaged because of, again, water damage. So the computer guy was able to get into the, the hard drive of the laptop and access it. And uh, I don't know the details of the story, but he ultimately found out that uh, the... Uh, the laptop had some emails on it that were bad for the Biden crime family made the, you know, made Biden Joe Biden out to be uh, a liar, not a shocker uh, again about meeting with people from the Ukraine that were doing business with Hunter. Remember Hunter got a job uh, up in the Ukraine with a gas company making uh, $50,000 a month when he had no experience. So I guess the letter uh, talked about uh, gaining access to the White House via via, uh, Hunter Biden. So that's the story. And then I guess this computer repair guy, he turned it over uh, to the media, and now it's been turned over to the FBI. So the FBI is investigating whether or not these uh, these emails and these pictures of, of uh, I guess there's some pictures of Hunter Biden in some precarious situations. Let's just put it that way. Um, apparently there is some crack involved and some ladies of the night. Cannot be verified, but that's supposedly... What's going on? So uh, anyway, so this was published originally by the New York Post. And it went like uh, it just blew up all over social media, including, of course, Facebook and Twitter. Well, then Facebook and Twitter, it started with Facebook at first. They decided that anybody that posted that article from the New York Post or other sources uh, that those uh, those posts would be deleted so that uh, it would stop the spread. 
of the news, right? And then I guess not too uh, uh, long afterwards, Twitter uh, began doing the same thing. So they've been silencing the media. In fact, I heard that even the New York Post's Twitter account was suspended because of this situation. So that's kind of what leads me to really my first topic that I would love to talk about. And uh, if you're listening live on the YouTube show, I would love your opinions. Do you think uh, Twitter and Facebook and all these other uh, social media sites, do you think they have the right to silence people? Or do the people have the freedom of speech and the freedom of speech is being infringed because that's a big conversation right now. Obviously uh, people on the right, they're not very happy because it's their views that are being squashed and censored, not the left. The left can say anything and do anything. And uh, Jack over at Twitter, he lets all that slide. But the minute something explosive like this comes out, the minute bad news hits the Biden campaign, well, then all of a sudden we've got to censor that information. And so my question to you is, do you agree that Twitter is a privately owned business, therefore they should be allowed to do what they, they should be allowed to censor whoever? Or should they be held accountable and be forced to allow people to share their opinions, even if it's conservative? So my first story on that exact topic, and I believe this comes from the federal Federalist, which it does, Big tech giants aren't platforms, they're partisans who hate freedom of press. This was written by uh, Kylie Zempel, Z-E-M-P-E-L. Facebook, Twitter, and other tech giants have spent the last few years trying to convince Congress and the American people that they don't wield as much power as they do and that they deserve to continue benefiting from a sweetheart deal in the U.S. communications law. That facade stops today after Big Tech unconsciously censored a New York Post uh, report that exposed lies straight out of the mouth of their preferred candidate, Joe Biden. Big Tech, led by Facebook and Twitter, have officially interfered in the election, and they're unequivocally proclaimed they are publishers, not platforms. For too long, tech giants have enjoyed cushy protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which affords immunity for websites that host third-party content, treating them as platforms rather than publishers. The core of the section uh, the core of Section 230 states, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. This distinction between platforms and publishers is important. Now, this is where we really get into the important, uh, the meat of the argument. She does a great job. For instance, a publisher, such as The Federalist, could face defamation lawsuits if it were to publish uh, libelous information. 
In contrast, a platform such as Facebook could not be sued for one of its third-party users posting defamatory content since it uh, ostensibly does not monitor what users post, or do they? Facebook and Twitter, however, have taken a giant leap into blatantly partisanship or partisan censorship, choosing what should and should not be visible to their viewers, proving definitely that they are not merely viewpoint neutral platforms deserving of legal immunity. They function as editors and gatekeepers for what content users may and may not see. See, there's the difference. If Twitter and Facebook, if they want to pretend that, uh, you know, they're, they're not being held accountable, they shouldn't be held accountable like a newspaper. Because newspaper, you know, if you're a publisher and not a platform, a publisher, they can hold back what information goes out on their paper, right? Because they don't want to be sued. But a platform is a open forum. It's a platform. It's just like um, like Spotify is an open platform for shows like mine, for uh, podcasts. They can be just about, they can be about anything. And if Spotify gets into the, uh, the business, which they're trying to do, with Joe Rogan, but if they get into the business where they start picking and choosing, then they don't become a, they're not a platform anymore. Now they're a publisher. There's a big difference there, but see Facebook and Twitter and, uh, you know, even YouTube for that, you know, for that matter are, are picking the best of both worlds. They can't be sued for what goes on out there, but they're also picking and choosing and they're silencing those of us on the right. And so something needs to be done. They, they need to either be a platform or a publisher. You can't pick and choose the best parts of both and become, well, that's what I am. That's how we're going to operate. Both tech giants on Wednesday, just 20 days before the election, censored a story from the New York Post revealing that Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden lied about uh, lacking knowledge of his son's uh, hunter's Ukrainian business interests. After repeatedly insisting he didn't know about his son's overseas business dealings, the New York Post obtained emails that demonstrate the opposite. The emails, which reportedly originated from a computer left at a Delaware repair shop, show not only that Joe Biden knew of his son's business entanglement, they also reveal that Hunter introduced his father, then the vice president under Barack Obama, to Vadim Pozharsky, a Burisma advisor less than a year uh, before Joe Biden lobbied for the firing of a prosecutor who had investigated the energy company. The computer hard drive reportedly included other unpalatable content such as a raunchy 12-minute video that appears to show Hunter, who's admitted struggling with addiction problems, smoking crack while engaged in a sex act with an unidentified woman, as well as numerous other sexually explicit images. None of this information is great 
for the Democratic presidential nominee. My question about this whole thing, and I was talking to uh, my wife about this. Is this story even going to make a difference in voters? Now, Mike, so I think sometimes we look at things kind of in a box, right? We have, um, we've got the conservatives and the evangelicals on the right. And, uh, you know, 98% of them are going to vote for Trump. And then you've got the other side, the Democrat side, they're going to vote for Biden right? All the small little liberal factions of the Democratic Party are all going to vote for Biden. And then there's this, this belief or this, you know, this thought that there's somewhere in the middle, there's this big herd of undecided voters. And I guess my question to you out there is, is that true? Is there a group, a large group of undecided voters at this point. I could see when, when Romney was running against Obama, I could see there was, you know, a large group of undecided voters. That makes sense to me because Obama and, and Romney weren't that far apart. Now with Biden, who has now been coerced by the far left to, to go further left than I think he's even comfortable being. And Trump, who is very country first, all American, right? All about America, all about the Second Amendment, all about freedom and individual individualism. There has never been a time in my life where there has been such a difference. Well, maybe. I mean, if you look at Carter and Reagan, obviously, huge difference. Reagan and Mondale, big difference. Right? But uh, I think this is by far the biggest difference. So I, I can't imagine that there's a lot of people out there saying, boy, you know, I just don't know who to vote for. Now, I think there's a lot of third-party voters, and if you're for Joe Jorgensen, it's for another time. You're going to have to refrain from voting for Joe Jorgensen unless your only other option is to not vote. But a vote for, if you're, like, seriously into politics and you want to see the country get better and you're going to go out and vote for someone who doesn't have a chance in winning, you're throwing your vote away. If you really care about the country and you like Joe Jorgensen, then Trump is the natural selection. That's who you ought to be voting for. Back to my original question, is there this large group of people, these undecideds? I don't think so. I don't know how much of a difference this this article makes or this story makes if it's true. I mean, the pictures of Hunter and the video of Hunter, clearly that's him. He can't deny that. But is the story about Joe Biden lying to the American people? If that's true, is that going to change the outcome of the election? I would say there's only one possibility 
that would. And I don't know, it might be too late for this because most states, the registration is already passed. It's too late to register to vote. So my thought is the only people that this is going to impact are the people that look at this and they're disgusted and they're like, okay, I wasn't going to vote, but I'm going to vote now and I'm going to vote for Trump. How many of those are out there? How many? I don't know. I don't know if there's any of them, to be honest with you. But I guess we'll see. I mean, there's a reason why Twitter and uh, Facebook is trying to bury this story. Um, so they must know more than I do. But if they're so desperately trying to bury the story, the only thought of mine is that there's people out there that are like, okay, I'm registered to vote. I wasn't going to vote. But now because of this, I can't let Biden get elected. Even though I'm not a Trump fan, I can't let someone like Biden in the White House. Therefore, I am going to vote and I'm going to go vote for Trump. That's the only reason I can think uh, they would be trying to hide this story. I mean, everybody knows about it anyway. It's been all over talk radio all day long. It's been on the Tucker show. Everybody knows about it. Now, you know, again, the people on the left aren't going to believe it or they're not, they're just not going to care. Their Trump derangement syndrome is far worse than this story. This is out of the revolver. This story dictionaries get this this is how vast the left wing has become dictionaries caught rewriting definitions in real time to support democrat attack on amy barrett did you catch that dictionaries online dictionaries are changing definitions in order to protect democrats and attack Amy Barrett. It's routine for America's corrupt ruling class to use their cultural dominance of American institutions to exert control over narratives. We know that. But today's Supreme Court hearings prompted one of the most appalling examples ever seen with the left's culture uh, commissioners trying to redefine a word on the fly. Senator Mazi Hirono of Hawaii. We all know her, right? I mean, she's, she's a lunatic. She is as far left as they come. And it's people like her that are really running the democratic party. Don't fool yourself. When, when Joe comes out and says, I am the democratic party, let me tell you something. He has about maybe four to six months left in the democratic party. He is not the democratic party. He's, he's a tool. He's a puppet of people like Mazi Hirono. Anyway, Senator Mazi Hirono of Hawaii is one of the most odious and pathetic Democrats in Washington. Supreme Court hearings are when uh, she chooses to disgrace herself the most. In 2018, Hirono argued that Brett Kavanaugh should be presumed guilty rather than innocent when he was hit with ludicrous sexual assault charges from Christine Blasey Ford. You remember Christine Blasey Ford, right? Remember you had Alyssa Milano in the background sitting behind Kavanaugh? 
all for this big show. And then you had Blase Ford who had to build a second front door because of this episode she had, and she couldn't recount any of it. None of it. Such a overly traumatic experience in your life. And you can't remember who was there, when it happened, where it happened, why it happened. You don't know any of the details. You're just up there as a, as a rodeo clown for the democratic party. Uh, anyway, this time around, Hirono attacked Barrett for her word choice. President Trump's Supreme court pick, she said is a bigot. Why? Because she used the term sexual preference as a synonym for sexual orientation. She went on to say, Not once, but twice. You use the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. Remember that. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. Mm. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part of a person's identity. That sexual orientation is both a normal expression of human sexuality and immutable was a key part of the majority's opinion in Obergefell, which, by the way, Scalia did not agree with. All right, so she goes on to attack uh, the uh, soon-to-be justice of the Supreme Court calls her basically a bigot for using the term sexual preference rather than sexual orientation, right? That was her attack. Now, given the stakes of the Supreme Court hearing, it's understandable that Barrett tried to be accommodating, but she couldn't have been. The attack was completely ridiculous, dishonest, and made in bad faith. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, the guy running for president on the Democratic side? Well, he himself used sexual preference just a few months ago. Imagine that. Uh, It was back in May, actually, when Joe Biden used the very same term. Uh, Newly uh, canonized progressive St. Ruth Bader Ginsburg also used the term in 2017. Interesting. So all their heroes are using these terms, but yeah, now it's outdated and you're a bigot if you say sexual preference. Uh, several sitting Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee have used it, too. So is CNN. There are lots of misconceptions about gender fluid, uh, fluidity, according to those in the community. Being gender fluid doesn't determine a person's sexual preference, said CNN. But it doesn't matter when our corrupt ruling class has a target precedent Uh, consistency and basic fair play all go out the window. If declaring sexual preference offensive is needed to attack a Republican, then sexual preference is the new N word. America's top dictionaries are happy to play along. A quick look at the Wayback machine makes it clear that prior to Tuesday's hearing, Merriam Webster found nothing offensive about using preference to mean orientation But as soon as the hearing happened, the dictionary's editor sprung into action. The page was updated just hours later with a new definition announcing that sexual preference was offensive by extension. Amy Coney Barrett is a very bad person for using it. 
This may be the most flagrant case of a dictionary redefining words to match leftist dogma, but it's not the first. Dictionaries have collaborated with the left's attempt to normalize illegal immigration by declaring the very terms illegal alien or illegal immigrant to be offensive and unacceptable in public discourse. An alien is a word that is also associated with extraterrestrial life. It is perceived as dehumanizing when applied to immigrants, says Dictionary.com. In September, Dictionary.com released a massive update redefining hundreds of words for politically motivated reasons. Not only did the dictionary start capitalizing the word black when referring to race, but it created an entirely new dictionary entry just for the racial group. In the dictionary world, separating the people-related definitions of black from the other definitions of black is a major and extremely rare move. As a rule, uh, different senses of words uh, that share an origin are, as lowercase black and uppercase black historically do, are included under the same entry. It's a rule worth breaking, dictionary.com said. Of course, white remains lowercase. And does not get a special entry, but that's no surprise. Like other captured institutions, Dictionary.com and Merriam-Webster's aren't uh, serious scholarly enterprises. Like the disgraced so-called experts at the World Health Organization, these institutions don't exist to educate or inform. They exist merely to reinforce the malicious and deceptive narratives that support the corrupt ruling class agenda to consolidate power and crush American patriots who would dare get in the way. So that kind of leads me to uh, a thought. I don't know if at any time Donald Trump has ever come across as being anti-LGBTQ at all. I don't know of a time. In fact, I know that he has been very pro-gay marriage, as far as I can remember. It's actually one of the reasons that I was not a big fan of Donald Trump, because when it comes to social issues, he can be a little bit more liberal than I feel comfortable with. That's why I did not support him in the primary in 2016. I supported Ted Cruz, and if Ted Cruz was to run again for president, I would support him again. I think he's proven himself to be a fantastic conservative. However, right now we have either Trump or Biden. So naturally, I am definitely going to support Trump. There's no question about it. Trump has actually impressed me over the past four years. I think he's done a hell of a job. And uh, I think he's going to continue doing a job, even a better job if he gets reelected. He won't have to worry about running again. He's going to go hog wild and he's going to take down the the swamp and it's going to be a beautifully wonderful thing to watch. Now, the Democrats, they act as if they were, you know, pro-gay from the very beginning of time. And that's simply not true. In fact... This was President Obama not too many years ago. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. 
but I also uh, detest uh, the sort of uh, bashing and vilifying of uh, gays and lesbians uh, because I think it's unduly divisive. Uh, it's unnecessary. Uh, most gays and lesbians are simply seeking uh, basic recognition of their rights. So there you go. So Obama was opposed to gay marriage. He was not a fan. Now, politically, that wasn't good for Obama, so he had to change his stance on gay marriage, which he did. And everybody just, you know, acted like it was just another day. But he was very proudly and profoundly opposed to gay marriage until he got squeezed into changing his mind because he needs the radical left in order to get elected. Same with Biden. It's the same situation. Uh, regarding all the news today, uh, this is story number three. This comes out of the blaze. Glenn uh, Beck's the blaze. Biden calls a press lid. And what that is, is that means that there's nothing more to talk about. When you call a press lid, that's it. Nothing more. He's not going to speak to reporters about everything that is going on today. Uh, obviously, the bombshell report about his kid and about him meeting with the Burisma executive. But yeah, he put the lid. Put a lid on it. We're not talking about it anymore. It's over with. And that's apparently why, I mean, I guess that's why Facebook was like, oh, okay, we got our marching orders from uh, Uncle Joe. We're going to put a lid on it as well. And then soon after, Jack followed with his marching orders. And he put a lid on it over there at Twitter. So, yeah, they're doing everything they can to silence this because they know this is this is a big deal. This is a very, very big deal. Will it change? the outcome of the election? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in a country of 350 million people, maybe there is a million people out there that will be swayed one side to the other because of this story. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Biden also stepped into it over in Pennsylvania. He says Pennsylvania plant thinking of shutting down yeah, he came out and said this live about a, a plant shutting down. The company responded. Uh, they're like, oh, that's not true because their employees were freaking out. What a knucklehead. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden during a campaign, uh, campaign stop in Pennsylvania over the weekend incorrectly said that a plant in the city was considering closing its doors, promptly, uh, prompting the company to issue a response to calm workers' fears. Erie News now uh, reported Tuesday. Uh, during an interview, Biden uh, on the, one of the local channels was touting his support for high-speed rail and the tens of thousands of good-paying jobs he could uh, he said could be created in support of robust high-speed rail in the United States. While making that point, however, Biden caused fear among some workers at a major local employer quote i heard today there's a locomotive plant thinking of shutting down here biden said to erie news now's ethan kibb kibby i don't know how you say it i'm going to invest literally in high speed rail i have a record on that hey listen 
Nobody wants your stupid high-speed rail. Nobody wants it. It's extremely expensive. That's why it completely bombed out in California. It was a total failure. Nobody wants it. Because people want the freedom of driving their own automobiles. And if they got to get somewhere fast, then they can hop on a plane. Nobody wants a stupid high-speed rail. Why why is the left so obsessed with this high-speed rail business? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, The statement from Biden, according to Erie News Now, prompted a response by Wabtec, a locomotive manufacturer in Erie. An email from the company to employees reported by the television station said that it wanted to set the record straight and let you know this statement is untrue. This site and plant are an integral part of the business and our community. Biden, according to the station, had corrected himself on his shutting down comment after the interview saying that he meant to talk about uh, potential layoffs at the plant. Like that's any better, you buffoon. Is it your business to come out and, and spread that news? And why can't you get it straight? I mean, there's a big difference between closing a plant and laying some people off. Like how many layoffs, Joe? Do you really think it's your place to come out? And talk about layoffs that are going to happen at a plant just to scare the, the bejesus out of people so they vote for your stupid plan for your stupid high-speed rail? Is that how pathetic? Well, we know how pathetic you are. Uh, but the full version of the interview was posted online, including the shutting down comment. Yeah, well, he's an idiot. Unbelievable. Know your place, Joe. It's not your place to go out and talk about stuff like that. Speaking of my place to talk about stuff, I want to talk about Grayfeather Farm. Grayfeather Farm is an all-natural skincare product line. And uh, they make some of the greatest skincare products I've ever used. I've been using their products now. It's got to be close to a month since I received my first shipment. And I got to tell you, this stuff is simply amazing. It's changed the way I sleep. Yeah, I said it. It's changed the way I sleep. Because the gray feather emilies, it's an anti-inflammatory cream. In fact, I have some right here, right in front of me. I'll show you. Right there. I put this Emily's on before I go to bed. I sleep like a baby because my shoulders aren't in pain. And then when I wake up, I get my cup of coffee. And then after, uh, after I get cleaned up and get showered, I put it back on for the rest of the day. It doesn't stink. It's not like a Ben gay that, you know, people are going to smell you from three homes away. This stuff is awesome. In fact, I told Jen, uh, she was asking me how it was working. I said, I don't even take Advil anymore. I used to have to take Advil in the morning because when I would wake up, I feel like an 80-year-old man. Now I feel like I'm supposed to feel, maybe even better. So check out Gray Feather Farm. In fact, there's a link in the comments section underneath this video. Click that link because that's going to get you free shipping guaranteed. 
It's got the offer code Smith in there, and it, you're going to get free shipping when you click that link. And depending on your order size, Jen, she might even throw a couple extra things in there for you. I don't want to speak for her, but she might. I'm just saying. I heard I'm on good word. I know somebody over there. That's what I was told. All right, let's get back to the show. What do you say? All right, so uh, I think we're done talking about Joe for a little bit and uh, kind of what a goofball he is. But this is an article that I came across. Uh, let's see. This was in The Guardian, and uh, it's an opinion piece. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if it even has uh, the person's name. I don't know if they wanted to take credit for it. But uh, the uh, the headline says, Amy Coney Barrett went to my all-girls high school I hope she's not confirmed. Hmm. Amy Coney Barrett, Donald Trump's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court, went to my all-girls Catholic school. She wore the same black and white plaid skirts and saddle oxfords and roamed the same halls, although nearly a decade apart. As students at St. Mary's Dominican High School, along with an education rooted in the Catholic face, we were encouraged to be strong. Independent women, future leaders of the world. But yet here she is telling everybody else what to do. She's telling everybody else not to vote for Donald Trump. She's telling everybody else that uh, Amy Coney Barrett shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. But she was taught to be independent, an independent thinker. I would be so proud to see a fellow alum serve on our highest court if that person's presence didn't threaten the irrevocably harm the, and I'm sorry, threaten to irrevocably harm the lives of millions of Americans. So Amy Coney Barrett, what this complete knucklehead is saying, her existence on the Supreme court will threaten to irrevocably harm the lives of millions of Americans, millions, millions of Americans, their lives are in danger. She goes on to blabber. We didn't have a mascot at Dominican, only an emblem Veritas. I wonder what she thinks of project Veritas and James Keefe over there. James O'Keefe. I wonder what her thoughts are. On that, that's probably a whole different story. In Latin, veritas means truth. But the truth is not monolithic. Hmm. It is informed by our own belief systems. Oh, really? Huh. How we define the truth matters, especially for someone serving on the Supreme Court. Hmm. So unless, unless the Supreme Court thinks just like this idiot then they shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. You have to think exactly like this buffoon or you're just simply not qualified. And, oh, you're uh, going to threaten to uh, irrevocably harm the lives of millions of Americans. Barrett's anti-abortion views have come to bear in public stances. Well, isn't that interesting? Because Barrett is 
anti-abortion. So rather than harming the lives of millions of Americans, perhaps you'll one day save lives of a million, millions of Americans, maybe, you know, the unborn ones. In 2015, she signed a letter to Catholic bishops affirming the value of life from conception. Oh, we can't have that now. Alongside prominent anti-choice figures such as Marjorie uh, Denifizer, Denifizer, don't know who that is, president of anti-choice fundraising organization, the Susan B. Anthony List. As a law professor at Notre Dame, Barrett was a member of the anti-abortion group University Faculty of Life. And in 2006, she signed a paid ad in a South Bend newspaper that called for an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe versus Wade. So far, I like her. I think Barrett's hitting it out of the park. I don't know. I don't know where she's going wrong, but I'm sure this weasel will get to it. In 2013, she delivered two talks to anti-abortion student groups at Notre Dame. Man, she's got one heck of a resume, in my opinion. Uh, Barrett has also been uh, critical of the Affordable Care Act guarantee that requires employers to provide birth control to their employees. Yeah, yeah, you can't have an employer, you know, the ones that pay for the medical insurance, you can't have them, you know, making decisions on what type of insurance they want to offer. Yeah, because that that's just so... Oh, it's just so mean. You know, Hobby Lobby and Christian organizations like like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A. Yeah, no, they should be forced to pay money into health insurance that requires abortion or offers, not requires, but offers abortion when they're so adamantly opposed to it. Like the late Justice Scalia, for whom she clerked, Barrett is self-described textualist and originalist. She interprets the U.S. Constitution based on its plain language and an attempted understanding of the intent and mindset of the original drafters. Oh, man, can you imagine such craziness? Actually basing the law off the Constitution the way it was intended? What? <laughs> The insanity of it all. I'm starting to understand why Barrett, yeah, she should she should not be a judge. She should base all of her decisions off of her personal ideology, preferably, you know, a very left-wing Marxist ideology. That would make perfect sense. But going off the Constitution, ugh, where do people come up with this crazy stuff? Uh, Barrett has also written that, uh, in her view, it is appropriate and legitimate for judges to overturn precedents when they conflict uh, with their personal interpretation of the Constitution. No. So you're saying that maybe, maybe something was, like a case was based not off the Constitution, but off of maybe a left-wing ideology, and Barrett thinks it's okay to go back and overturn that precedent? based on the Constitution, that's, wow. Obedience to the exact original meaning of the Constitution without current context is problematic, she says. Hmm. These laws were made by white. Oh, here it comes. The systematic 
racism. Remember yesterday, my very first show on Good Talk Radio, by the way, syndicated at 9 a.m. on Good Talk Radio? Remember yesterday I was talking about uh, this this racist, uh, for, off the top of my head, it fell out of my head, the theory about how everything is about race, every relationship you have, every decision you've ever made is all racist. Just remember that? Just yesterday we were talking about that. And well, here she goes. This woman is clearly one of those types of, you know, chuckleheads. These laws were made by white cisgender men who enslaved other human beings and never intended to include a vast sum of Americans like women and people of color in their quest for equal rights. So let me ask you this, uh, uh, Einstein. If it's too far of a stretch for Justice Barrett to try to interpret the Constitution as it was written, how do you know? How, If that isn't possible... How is it that you can get into the minds of the founding fathers and assume that they didn't want to include the vast sum of Americans like women and people of color in their quest for equal rights? You know, if you did, if you took one American history class or you know what I would recommend for you, this is the book I would recommend right here. It's called our ageless constitution. Okay. I know you'll never read it. I know you want to uh, remain a complete moron. And that's your choice. I mean, ignorance is bliss, right? So you just want to be ignorant of the facts and the truth about the founding fathers. You'll never read our ageless constitution because you wouldn't know what to do with yourself after you realized how incredibly stupid you are. Their quest for equal rights. They don't want, yeah, Let's let's get into the three-fifths clause maybe one of these days. We'll talk about that because our our fa- our founders, the northern from the north, they wanted to end slavery. But they didn't have the ability to the votes because of the southern uh the southern founders. The southern states wanted the slavery. I'm not going to get into this big argument right now because I'm going to I'm going to go down a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down, but All I'm saying is learn your history. When one person's truth defined by the way they see the world impacts the lives and liberties of generations of diverse Americans, it has tremendous power. When I was in high school, I often wore a small gold pin in the shape of a baby on baby feet on my shirt collar. My Catholic upbringing taught me that the lives of the unborn needed to be protected I then attended the Catholic University of America, the only American university chartered by a pope. I was devout and sincere in my faith, but as the Catholic community uh, on campus began more conservative and, uh, or became, I'm sorry, more conservative and uh, charismatic, more self-righteous in beliefs about the right way, I started to have more questions. Do you remember when Jesus, and I believe it was uh, John uh, fourteen six, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. You remember that? He used the, the very word, the way. Hmm. 
As I became exposed to increasing worldviews, I began to understand the limits of my faith of origin and its proclamations. Do you remember the part in the Bible, too, where it says, you know, uh, you can't choose the world or the way. It's one or the other. If you're going to be a Christian, you're not part of the world. You live in the world, but you're not part of the world. You're not supposed to be part of the world. Do you remember that? Apparently, you must have missed that or you didn't understand it. Because apparently the world views to you, ma'am, are far more important than the word of God. So I don't think you did very well in your studies at a Catholic school. But uh, who am I to judge? Over time, I recognized that my belief in the righteous of my faith had me think that somebody, uh, someone else's health and reproductive freedom should be legislated. <laughs> Don't you love that? The reproductive freedom. That's probably another word in the online dictionary, right? Reproductive freedom. Uh, that's code word. That's uh, for abortion, for murdering an unborn child. She uh, colorfully uh, refers to it as reproductive freedom. Further, I saw how the church, uh, church's patriarchal, uh, patriarchal culture, even more rigid in charismatic communities, harmed the lives of girls and women when we were discouraged from any agency around our own bodies, sexually and life choices, sexuality and life choices. I saw how in the absence of of talk of abortion, people who claim to be pro-life often do not care about the lives of the most vulnerable Americans, including children born into poverty and struggle. Well, we can't have kids born into poverty, right? It's, it's such a better choice, you know, to destroy them, to rip them from the wombs. Yeah, that's, that's such a better, better decision because you know what? Uh, ma'am, you need some serious counseling. You clearly gave in to the world. It looks like you had a good start, but somewhere you went off the rails. And now you're so angry and your Trump derangement syndrome is so off the charts that you felt that you had to write this article saying that Barrett has no place in the Supreme Court because she's willing to follow the Constitution and she cares about unborn children. Ma'am, I feel bad for you. I don't know if there's hope for you. Maybe there is. Maybe you need to go back into the Word of God and do a little bit more studying and maybe reevaluate your life choices, but you've made a lot of bad decisions. And now you're holier than thou, and you think it's your place, even though you never met this woman, you were 10 years either behind or in front of her, I don't know, but you certainly never walked past her in the halls. You know nothing about her. All you do is hate, and you felt that it was your place to jot down all your hate onto paper and just continue to divide the country. So congratulations on that. Anyway, it's time. 
It's time to end the show. I want to thank uh, everyone over at Good Talk Radio. Again, 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, you'll hear the John Smith Show on Good Talk Radio. I want to thank my friends at hardyware.com, fastconceptsllc.com, of course, Ranger Rob Poopy Bags, and Gray Feather Farm. So until tomorrow night, take care and uh, be safe. God bless.